RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. Calls grow for the police to end their 10-day siege of the Polytechnic University campus. Commuters breathe a sigh of relief as the Cross Harbour Tunnel finally reopens. And the US Secretary of State says the country stands with Hong Kong, but stops short of promising to enact legislation on democracy here. Calls are growing for police to end their siege of the Polytechnic University, which has been under lockdown for 10 days following violent clashes between protesters there and police. A political analyst called the siege totally senseless, saying it would be better for police to retreat. It's unclear how many protesters are still hiding there. A second search is being made today after staff, medics and social workers found only one person yesterday. Dr Chun Kim Wah from Polytechnic's Department of Applied Social Sciences says authorities should reconsider their approach. Even if the police caught someone inside a campus and find them sitting in a room, but the police do have to look for evidence to prove that person had somehow involved in violence, in some criminal access. So why bother to run up the campus with several hundred policemen and making a lot of inconvenience to people and making us people inside the party who cannot go on with our normal business. This is totally sensitive. So I think to retreat, to, to be soft the rounding and to let people decide for themselves with a better approach. University of Hong Kong law professor Eric Chung believes the Polytechnic University may be reopened and handed back to management today. He inspected the campus this morning and says that with the reopening of the Cross Harbour Tunnel, people can easily leave without being detected by police. Professor Chung says he believes there are no protesters left, so there's no reason for police to waste manpower on its siege. The chairman of the Polytechnic University's governing council, Lam Tai Fei, also called on police to reopen the campus. He told an RTHK radio programme it would take several months to repair the site, which was trashed by protesters, and said Carrie Lam and her administration should pay for the repairs. He also said he was shocked and saddened by the government's decision to withdraw a $1.4 billion funding request to expand the university. Mr Lamb says universities are being partly blamed for the ongoing unrest, but it's the government that should be responsible and come up with a political solution. The Cross Harbour Tunnel has reopened after being closed for two weeks when protesters near the Polytechnic University blocked entrances and vandalised toll booths. RTHK Francis Set was at the Hong Ham entrance to the tunnel. Harbour Tunnel has reopened at around 5 a.m. this morning and things seem to have returned to normal. Right next to the tunnel entrance in Hong Kong is the Polytechnic University, which is still under police siege currently. So riot police are guarding the footbridge entrance to the university and some police cars are also on standby nearby. On a footbridge connecting the Hong Kong station to the Polytechnic University, there are nets and tall water barricades set up to prevent people from throwing objects onto the road from the footbridges again. Commuters welcomed the reopening of the tunnel. This student, Trista, says without the tunnel, it took her an extra half hour to get from Shatin to Hong Kong Island every day. For the past days, I'm taking MTR and then change bus in the Causeway Bay. And for today, the tunnel is open. Uh, I feel more convenient because for now, I have to only change one time. So uh, it's more convenient. 
This man says now that the, the tunnel has reopened, he'll save 30 minutes in travelling time from Yunlong Tong Island, and he isn't concerned about contamination from tear gas residue. I understand that a lot of uh, analysis told us that this is not good for health, but uh, everybody needs to work, so we can't avoid just, you know, try to avoid staying a long time in such a critical area. The US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has congratulated the people of Hong Kong for the peaceful conduct of Sunday's district council elections. A record number of voters took part in the poll, which saw a landslide victory for pro-democracy parties. However, Mr Pompeo stopped short of promising that President Trump would sign the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which was approved by lawmakers there. In Hong Kong, we have the commitments that the Chinese government made as part of their, their obligations to maintain one country and two systems. That's what we're continuing to work towards. Congress has now taken action since before the president. I won't get out in front of what, what he will do before too long. But suffice to say, I think the administration's policies have been pretty unambiguous in our support for the Chinese Communist Party's continued commitment to the promises that they made remains unwavering. And I think you saw that from the people of Hong Kong this past week. They, that's what they're asking for, too, the continued maintenance of the understandings that were committed to uh, under international law. Meanwhile, Mr Pompeo said that a cache of leaked documents proves that Beijing is engaged in massive and systemic repression in Xinjiang. He said the documents supported an overwhelming and growing body of evidence that China's leaders are responsible for gross human rights violations. But Mr Pompeo made no mention of possible sanctions. Beijing insists that the camps are vocational training centres. Meanwhile, the House Judiciary Committee has invited President Trump's legal team to take part in its impeachment hearings next week, when the focus is due to shift to discussing constitutional reasons for removing Mr Trump from office. The committee's chairman, Democrat Gerald Nadler, asked the White House to inform him by Sunday if the president's lawyer, or possibly even Mr Trump himself, would wish to question witnesses. At a rally in Florida, Mr Trump again attacked the Democrats and at the impeachment inquiry. First, it was the Russia hoax, total hoax. It was a failed overthrow attempt and the biggest fraud in the history of our country. And then you look, the Mueller deal, you remember that mess? And now the same maniacs are pushing the deranged impeachment. A report published in the US shows death rates among young and middle-aged people have been rising over the past decade, driving down overall life expectancy. The study, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, shows that the highest relative jump in death rates was among people aged 25 to 34, rising by 29%. The findings show a reversal of historic patterns of increasing longevity and go against trends in other wealthy nations. Stephen Wolfe is the report's author. We think it's likely that something about the nature of life in America is contributing to this trend. We analyzed the data and were able to locate which parts of the country were most deeply affected. And those tend to be the industrial Midwest and Appalachia, which are regions of the United States that have suffered the most from the economy. Three senior figures in Malta's government have stood down and angry crowds have booed the Prime Minister, Joseph Muscat, as police step up their investigation into the murder of the journalist, Daphne Caruana Galizia. She'd been, invited in, she'd been investigating corruption on the island. 
Her sister, Karina Vella, said it was time the truth came out. Well, we're finally starting to see some progress in the investigation into Daphne's murder. It's welcome, it's important, but it's very far long overdue. To us, Daphne's death has always been linked to her work. We've maintained all along that justice for Daphne means justice for her murder, but also justice for all her stories, because to us, they were connected. The Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani, has criticised his own intelligence agency for detaining two activists who broke a story alleging the sexual abuse of hundreds of boys. Here's the BBC's Orlando Teal. The allegation that more than 500 schoolboys had been abused in six schools emerged this month. Two men, one a social worker, said the boys had been assaulted by a criminal network involving teachers, older students and officials. The activists who broke the story were then taken into custody by the security forces, who say they then retracted their claims. But President Ghani now appears to be supporting the two men, tweeting that he is deeply concerned about the allegations of sexual abuse. And a presidential spokesman said the activists would now be handed over to the Interior Ministry for their protection. A British defence think tank says British ground forces would be completely outgunned by Russian forces in case of a conflict in Eastern Europe. The report says the British Army, which has about 800 troops stationed in Estonia, lacks firepower. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Beale. Britain, along with other NATO allies, has positioned military forces in Eastern Europe to deter any potential Russian aggression in the wake of its annexation of Crimea. But this study by Rusi found that the entire UK armed forces lacks critical firepower when compared to Russia's military. Russian artillery and rocket batteries have already proved to be potent, destroying two Ukrainian battalions in 2014 within minutes. UK and other NATO forces not only have a limited number of artillery pieces but also a shortage of munition stockpiles and transportation. New research suggests not sending unnecessary emails could cut Britain's carbon footprint significantly. Here's the BBC's Richard Howells. It's frequently little more than a curt thank you or some other feeble message of acknowledgement and it's often sent to a colleague within talking distance. The researchers say Britain's carbon output could be cut by more than 16,000 tonnes a year if people didn't press the send button so often. That's the equivalent of more than 80,000 flights from London to Madrid. They say new software has also been developed which can spot when emailers send a message that might not have needed to be sent. 71% of people said not receiving a thank you email would be fine by them if it helps save the environment. The largest Dutch supermarket chain, Albert Heijn, has dropped a trial scheme asking staff to submit photographs of themselves in their underwear. It said the request was made to help fit new uniforms. Here's the BBC's Anna Holligan. A poster appears in staff canteens asking employees to upload a semi-naked photo of themselves onto an app. Wear underwear or tight sports gear to measure the contours of your body as well as possible, it's advised. The purpose was to fit them for a new uniform. The plan was to test the method in one store before rolling it out right across the country until the Dutch Data Protection Authority intervened, raising concerns about the supermarket chain retaining a bizarre near-nude staff database. Financial news. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,935. That's 21 points up on the previous close. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.1 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 10 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars, 6 cents. Sport now, here's Atom.
We start with football's European Champions League, where Tottenham are through to the knockout stage after a dramatic comeback against Olympiacos. Spurs erased a two-goal deficit at home and went on to win 4-2 to qualify with a game to spare. Delhi Ali, who scored the goal that started Tottenham's comeback, says there's no excuse for their poor start. Yeah, there's no hiding. Uh, we're not a team that hides. It was a terrible first half, and we said at halftime, you know, the manager said it, it can only get we can only get better. We can't perform much worse than that, and we knew that within ourselves. And you know, going into the second half, we had to play with more freedom, uh, show our character, show our belief, and move the ball a lot quicker. So we did that, and you know, we got top quality players. Uh, and all over the pitch, obviously, right back scoring, centre forward scoring, and yeah, I scored myself. So yeah, we're happy, and also need to carry on this winning streak now. Manchester City progressed as winners of Group C after getting the point they needed in a one-all draw at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. In the same group, Atalanta recorded their first Champions League win, beating Dinamo Zagreb 2-0. Real Madrid qualified from Group A, joining Paris Saint-Germain in the knockout stage. The two sides squared off in Madrid, where PSG rallied late to earn a 2-2 draw and a point to clinch first place. Details from the BBC's John Bennett. A really impressive comeback by Paris Saint-Germain, who looked down and out when Karim Benzema, with his second goal of the night, made it 2-0 to Real Madrid on 79 minutes. Then just a minute later, Mbappe made it 2-1 out of nowhere after an awful mistake by Rafael Varane. On 82 minutes, Pablo Sarabia, a former Real Madrid player, fired in the equaliser. What a comeback. Real Madrid, before that, had completely dominated. Keylor Navas, the PSG goalkeeper, making nine saves. And right at the end, Real Madrid could have won it. A fabulous Gareth Bale free kick, hitting the post. One bit of bad news for Real Madrid. Eden Hazard went off injured. In the other game in the group, it finished Galatasaray 1, Club Bruges 1. That's a result which sent Real Madrid through before they even kicked off against Paris Saint-Germain. Two Club Bruges players were sent off for picking up second bookings right at the end after celebrating the late equaliser. One for taking his shirt off and one for kicking the corner flag. Juventus won Group D after beating Atletico Madrid 1-0 on a goal from Paolo Dybala. Bayer Leverkusen defeated Lokomotiv Moscow 2-0 to move one point behind Atletico in the race for second place. Tonight, Liverpool take on Napoli at Anfield. A win would guarantee Liverpool's progress to the knockout stage. The Premier League leaders were beaten 2-0 the last time these two teams met in Italy two months ago. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Calls grow for the police to end their 10-day siege of the Polytechnic University campus and commuters breathe a sigh of relief as the Cross Harbour Tunnel finally reopens. The news from RTHK.
to the 123 show nice boppy start to the program and that was jennifer lopez and let's get loud which was all appropriate for today's program but before anything else thanks to phil for the morning group great show again now on the show today our wednesday feature communication matters joining me in the studio at 1:30 will be cecilia louis founder and director of ilia connect and she's got over 30 years of international experience across several disciplines, one of which is communication. And she is going to be looking at key communication skills e 